0: Condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit of life has redeemed us from death into life. Now we walk in His freedom. We are the children of God. in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has redeemed us, from death into life now we walk in His freedom, we are the children of God, so we sing out as brothers, sing out as sisters, we are the children of God. And we are no longer slaves, He has given us new names We are the children of God As we suffer for His name and live as His children We long for the days we can run from these prisons no longer bound by the sin that surrounds us forever we live with our god and so we sing out as brothers sing out as sisters we are the children of god and we are no longer slaves he has given us new names we are the children of god the
1: children of god
0: There is nothing in all of creation No power of hell, neither angels are demons Not death or not life or not fear for tomorrow Can separate us from His love I'm convinced there is nothing in all of creation No power of hell, neither angels are demons death or not life or not fear for tomorrow can separate us from his love so we sing out as brothers sing out as sisters we are the children of God and we are no longer slaves he has given us new names we are the children of God so we sing out as brothers sing out as sisters children of God. And we are no longer slaves. He has given us new names. We are the children of God.
1: The children of God.
2: Good morning, Carpenter's Way. Uh, we have a treat for y'all this morning. I think we'll see if it's a treat or not. Uh, Miss Katie, one of our very own. Uh, as most of you guys know, she is uh, yeah. Go ahead and give her a hand. give her a hand real quick. She is uh, a missionary to Dominican Republic, and I'm not going to talk too much because she's going to share. But anyway, uh, if you guys are just uh, she, she's got a little 10 minute window here, she's going to kind of share about what she's doing. So yeah, take it away, Miss Katie.
3: Let me get my notes. Paper might look long, but it's not gonna take that long. Okay, Um, so I'm Katie, for those who don't know me, hi. (laughs) Um, And most of you are familiar with Students International and they are who I've been serving with these last two years in the Dominican Republic. Um, So SI has a base in Guatemala, as you are familiar with, because we send a short-term mission team there every summer but SI also has two bases in the Dominican Republic, and I have had the joy of serving in both of them over these last two years in the Global Bridge Program. I was in that program to earn my associate's degree, which I have finished up, and to learn Spanish by being immersed in the culture, but also to serve in sites that are very similar to those that are in Guatemala. So I wanna share the mission statement of SI, and you can see this on their website, but it's very, relevant to what they do in every single one of their bases all over the globe. So what they do is they see students and the communities they serve transformed into the likeness of Christ and discovering their true calling. Um, so sorry. <laughs> so tomorrow I'm leaving for the Dominican Republic again, but this time I'll be going as an intern What that means is I won't be having classes. I'll have a lot more free time. I'll be able to pour into the community that I'm serving a lot more, and I'm really, really looking forward to that. God has done amazing work in me already, and I can't wait to see what he has next for me. So to help give you a little glimpse of what I do, I've put together some photos. So this first one, you can see me. These are the other Global Bridge girls and interns that were with me last year. And I put this up there because this is a very important aspect of what I do. It is not easy to leave home. I have so many beautiful relationships and friendships and family here, and I appreciate them so much more now. But what makes it a little easier is the family that I make over in the Dominican Republic. One thing that really keeps me going is knowing that we have God in common, so I have family all over the globe. So yes, these sisters that you see with me, they helped me through a lot. Like I said, God has worked on me a lot. Um, He has shaped me and molded me and helped me work through very difficult things. And it helped to kind of get away to work on those. But I definitely needed the support and the encouragement that these girls gave me along the way. So this next photo is my host family. So like in Guatemala, we do get to spend some time with a Dominican family. I got to live with them for a month. You can see my host mom and dad on the far side on the couch is their daughter. And then the little tiny thing in the center is their grandson. He is so precious, Um, so cute. And I loved spending time with them and getting to know the culture even more and working on practicing my Spanish with them. And then the girl next to me is another of the interns. She was also with that family. So we're even more like sisters. We had the same Dominican family. Now for the site. This photo, you can see me. In the center is my amazing site leader, Daisy. She is from Colombia, but she has been working with SI in the Dominican Republic pretty much since SI has been a thing. She is full of so much wisdom and she has a Bible verse for everything. I don't know how she does it, but she does every single situation. Um, And it's such an inspiration. She is very creative. We have a lot of similar interests. We're both very introverted and it has been amazing to see someone be a good spiritual leader and still be introverted and still be able to take that time to recharge but not be limited by that. Like She is incredible, the way she serves God. She's like my Dominican mom, I've got to admit that. Um, So you can also see in these photos, some American students, like in Guatemala, SI, I mean in all of their bases, they bring in short-term teams. So those were some students that were serving with us in our women's social work site. A little bit about the site. As you can see, the women are holding their new projects that they had just finished and the girls that were visiting helped us finish them. So what we do is we do crafts and art and we show the women that we serve that they can make things with their hands and that they can make something beautiful that they can be proud of and they don't have to spend a lot of money on it. And as they're working, we share the gospel With every class that we have, we get them in the word and we encourage them. Daisy also does some one-on-one counseling with each of the people who come into our site just to see where they are in their life and where they are in their faith and to encourage them to get to know God and get in the word. Next photo. We also serve little girls. These are some of the girls right after one of our art projects I have loved. For one thing, this site is so perfect for me because there are so many different things we do and I I can never choose just one thing. So I get to teach them art. I'm learning a lot myself on like how to make things. And with the little girls and the teenage girls, we do a lot of decor and stuff so they can have something to make their room look pretty, have something to decorate their own space because a lot of them in reality don't have their own space. If there are multiple siblings, they share a room. Some families have to share a room with parents and kids alike. And so we give them something that can be totally theirs that they put the effort into and they made themselves. This is another photo of me working with the women. We, I mean, again, we try to show them that they can develop skills that they're culture really doesn't give them the option for. One of the main things we are working against in the Women's Social Work site is just the sense of worthlessness that women have in that country. Many of our women come in with the mentality that they need to find a man, not necessarily marry him, just find a man who can support them and have children. And that's all they live for. And so we try to give them another option. We show them, you know, you have worth. You have worth that comes from God, not from anyone else. Um, one really cool thing is that we have lots of moms in our program and their daughters are also in our program within our other classes. And so we are able to work against this generational cycle because we're working with everyone in the family that we can. These are our adolescent girls. This is one of our parties. Um, these girls, have so much attitude, but also so much heart. Um, they are so precious and I love getting to know them. They, are, they always come in excited and ready to learn. Something really cool is that we also work with Haitian girls. There are a lot of Haitian res- refugees in the Dominican Republic and it's a very, it can be very scary for them they come there illegally and the government is set up completely against them so that citizens citizenship is just not an option. And so there are times when the government officials will send the police through the towns and if they see a Haitian, they'll pick them up and they'll take them back to Haiti, whether they've been born in the DR, whether they have family there waiting for them or not, it can happen at any time. And so we have a safe haven for our girls that they can come and be off the streets and learn Spanish. One of our girls in the very center, she doesn't speak Spanish. She speaks Haitian Creole. And so we give her an opportunity to learn so that she can, you know, thrive and survive in that country. Um, Do I have another photo? Okay. I think that's the last one, but In addition to my Dominican team, I have a team stateside that I could not live without, and that is you guys. Sorry. (laughs) One of the things I have learned within this adventure is how blessed I am to have you all as a church family. You have supported me through prayer and giving, but also in constant encouragement. I have been coming to Carpenter's Way since I was 11 years old, pretty much grew up here. Um... And you really have become a family. You're one of the things that makes it so bittersweet to leave. But I love that I get to come home to you guys. And I'm honored to be a part of this family. And I can't wait to see you all again in December. All
2: right. Awesome. So, Katie, how old were you when you went? How old were you when you went the first time?
3: The first time to the yeah. DR?
2: Yeah. Well, for this, this uh, thing that you're doing right, right. now. Right. 22. 22? Yes. Okay. So, can you guys imagine 22 years old, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do the rest of your life, and you go to Dominican Republic, and then God, like, starts calling you to be there full-time, right? I think for us stateside, it's always like, oh, that's really cool that that person's doing that, but uh, it's always like, you know, somebody comes in from the outside, and this is one of our own, right? She grew up here, and so you guys have access to a missionary uh, right here, which is pretty cool, I think. Uh, so, anyway, um, I would like to pray for you, if that's okay. Is that okay if we pray for her? Are we going to do that at the end of the service? Or are we going to... always good. All right. But yeah, if you'll join me just in praying, because, you know, I mean, she's leaving her family behind. and know mom. Uh, just there's a lot that goes into you just go move to another country, right? And so if you guys would just pray with me. Uh, God, thank you, Lord, for um, Katie's heart. Thank you, Lord, for her willingness to, to go. Um, I think most of us, we talk a big game. Uh, we like to do this. We like to do that. But just just the willingness to to do it and to get out there and uh, face the unknown and not know uh, where you're taking her, what you're going to do, are you going to provide, just all the things that come with that. And so, God, I just ask that you would just give her peace as she goes, um, give her rest in her body as she works. Uh, God, I just ask that you would continue to change her. She spoke uh, this morning about you changing her and, and doing things in her life. God, we ask that you'd keep doing that. Uh, we ask so that you would keep raising up uh, us, people in our, our, our church that are willing to, to give and to support uh, missions like this. And uh, uh, we just thank you, Lord, that you're uh, providing us a place where we can send people out. And uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty cool, God. And, uh, we just ask for that you would just be with her as she goes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So you guys, uh, you're more than welcome to stand and worship with us if you want. We're going to jump in about three more songs here. Uh, no pressure. You don't have to, but you can if you want to.
1: heart you are hope you are peace to my soul you're the one who sustains me you're the voice speaking true I could search on the earth to find something of worth but all that I My glory, my God, and my King. You are my rock, and you never change. No, you never change.
0: No other
1: power
0: can break the darkness.
1: trust in no other name, Jesus, you're all I need, Jesus, you're all I need, you are my life, may you be lifted high, there is no other, like Jesus Christ, you are my You are my glory my god and my king you are my rock and you never change goes before me, my strength to stand, all of my days are in your hand, my life to see, your glory goes before me, my king, you reign, my rock and you never change. May you be lifted high. There is no other like you, Jesus Christ. You are my story, you're my everything. You are my glory, my God, and my King. You are my. There is no other like Jesus Christ You are my story You're my everything You are my glory My God and my King You are my rock And you never change No, you never change Christ, you are my story, you're my everything, you are my glory, my God and my King, you are my rock, and you never change,
2: thank you God that we can rest in that, we can rest in the fact that you're doing amazing things on the other side of the world. You're doing amazing things right here in Lufkin. And God, you, uh, you've you called us your own to be a part of this. And God, that you never change. You're the same that you were before. You're the same that you're going to be next year. Uh, just let us take rest in that. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our hearts, our ears, uh, just to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm breathing deeper than I ever,
0: ever.
4: Good morning, for those that don't know me, my name is Robert Grimes, I'm one of the missions pastors here, Jared Pig is the other missions pastor for Carpenters Way, and as you just saw on Wednesday night, we will be sharing about our Amazon experience this year, so we had a great turnout this past Wednesday night for our Guatemala share time, so I would ask y'all to come out this Wednesday night and let your brothers and sisters share what God did in their hearts. On this trip to the Amazon. It was a great trip. Uh, We had a wonderful time. We have a lot to share. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about this morning is this morning when y'all came in, you're probably sitting on them, but there's a little piece of paper in your chair. (coughs) And in that, (coughs) excuse me, uh, on that it says roadblocks. There's no place to put your name on this. We would just ask for you to please fill out this uh, little piece of paper. It says what has kept you from participating in mission trips or mission projects? And just fill that out, and we're going to take that. We're going to look at these roadblocks that are that people have. And over the next several months, we're going to have some meetings, and we're going to talk about missions, how they, how you develop missions, how you participate in missions, how you pay for missions. Whatever those roadblocks may be, we will we will be addressing. So please take a few minutes to do that, and just. Uh, you can leave it in the chair, or if you, as you walk out, you can put it back there on the table by the door and leave it there. We would greatly appreciate that if y'all would do that. So we're looking forward to a, to a great time on Wednesday night to share with y'all what happened on the Amazon this year, and I appreciate y'all's time. Thank you.
5: Thank you, Robert. See, when I get up here and you clap, I never know if you're clapping for them or me, so I'm just going to pretend it's me. You're my favorite. Uh, a couple things. A couple things about that. Um, when he says we want to we want to figure those roadblocks out, one of the things that Robert and Jared have been talking about is doing mission trips in the states, uh, family mission trips, and so by actually filling that out, it gives us an idea of what kind of things would make it possible you notice there's four areas there if you have four kids don't put all you don't put one name per line you don't have to do that uh, just uh, just put my kids are a problem but uh, but this does help us so if you wouldn't mind doing that and then you can again you can put it there's there's an offering box in the back you can just drop it in there but it will help our mission investment team as well as our pastoral staff know what we need to do in order it is so life-changing you guys going and serving the lord even in the states and we've done some some uh, mission trips uh at the border uh in the past and we're talking about doing some of those again but it would help us to kind of know what what has been a roadblock for you um i do want to a couple more things uh as we send katie out be praying for katie uh and we have others our kids are going back to college and all that stuff is going on. I do want to remind you of how Katie is supported through our church, and that's by your regular giving. If you grew up in a Southern Baptist church, there's usually a couple Sundays out of the year that are special, and all the money goes towards missions. That's not what we do here. We, as a church, tie the percentage of, your, of the receipts. Everything you give, every dollar you give, somewhere between 15 and 20% goes right to missions right off the top. And so we, uh, short-term missions as well as full-time missionaries, we give to the International Mission Program of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's the, only, uh, that's the only area in which we participate with the SBC. It's in their international missions. So there's tens of thousands of dollars every year because of your giving. We give to them. And then there's, there's another ten or more thousand dollars, or there's, there's tens of thousands on top of that that also go to individual missionaries that we support. And Katie has been one of those. And we try to keep them in front of you uh, so that you get to know them and pray for them. And if you recall, every February, we take the whole month and we do a mission month. So if you're a, we've had a lot of visitors lately. And let me just explain to you a couple things. Number one, Carpenter's Way is about God as revealed in His Word. So 95% of the time in our Bible studies on Sunday morning, we are going verse by verse. Uh, we just finished... Uh, uh, studying First and Second Peter, uh, we just went through Acts before that. We went through the life of Jesus before that, and now uh, now we're on a, a short series called the Lord's Prayer, and out of Matthew chapter six. And then when this is done, the first of September, we're going to jump into a series in Romans. We're going to go verse by verse. Through the book of Romans, and it's called soteriology. That is the theological word for the the theology of salvation, the doctrine of salvation, and that's what we're going to study in Romans. That's what it's about. I really wanted Jeff to make the logo for this series an enchilada with soteriology across it, because it's the whole enchilada, but... He thought that would get old fast. So we're, we're working on something different. But that's coming up. So if you're visiting with us, number one, we are all about God's word, knowing God through his word. Number two is that we're super invested in missions, personally as well as financially. And, uh, and that is, and I want to remind you Carpenter's Way, folks, that's by your regular giving. So we appreciate that. We appreciate what you give. Uh, Robert and I had the opportunity to, me- to uh, meet with a missionary this week that we have supported in the past, uh, and they are in need of, uh, in, in Uganda, and they are in need of building uh, a, a, a roof for their church because the government is saying that how they're meeting right now, they have a thousand children every Sunday. That's a lot of kids. A thousand every Sunday. They feed them breakfast and then they disciple them. And uh, the government. Y'all know about COVID and what's going on. Well, governments across the globe are trying to shut down churches through that, and so the church, they're coming in each week, and they are telling them that unless they, uh, unfortunately, the government has too many kids in this place. It's not allowed, so you either bribe me or you have to we're going to shut you down so every week hundreds of dollars are going out which is a lot of money in uganda at different inspectors and they need to build this shelter and it's 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 an enormous amount and we're talking about how we can help as a church and uh, that will be through your regular giving as well so thank you so much for your faithful giving uh, i know it's been a busy summer keep giving so we can be involved in the global mission that god has uh, called us to and uh, wednesday night come check out what it's like to go on a short term mission trip if you have never been on a mission trip Just come out and see what God does through that. Um, uh, I also want to thank you for your participation in ministry. We mentioned last Sunday that we had lots of needs. We're rebuilding after COVID. Uh, Some of of uh, the people that have worked in our children's ministry just simply because of health reasons or otherwise are not able to come back and serve. So we're rebuilding all of our disciplers. And uh, many of you stepped forward last week, and we want to thank you. We have two major needs left uh, left that I wanted to make you aware of. Uh, If you have kids coming on Wednesday nights, we need a couple dads to to hang around and help with those kids. Uh, That's the first thing. Um, Number two, uh, on Sunday morning, you just saw the sign for GPS. Uh, The children up through third grade, they go to a service that's geared for them where the gospel's presented, and it's very, very clear. And over the past couple years, we've had one family, mostly, who've done it, and they're burning out. We're, we're, uh, right? You're not burning out. You guys are so kind. And what are you doing in here? Who's watching the kids? I don't know. We don't know. So, see what's happening? See what's happening? They're getting cocky over there, okay? Actually, I said... I said you guys were in there last week and you were in here too. So, uh, Alicia, that's what you get. I'm the second string when it comes to kids' ministries. But what we need is two more couples that are willing to serve a quarter of the year because what we'd like to have is one couple overseeing that ministry a quarter. That makes sense? That's four couples. And so there's a way for some of you to minister as couples. Now, look, we're not just looking for anybody. Uh, There are background checks, but we also want people to have a heart for discipleship for kids. But we do want to throw those out there and make you aware or uh, if, you're, if you're looking for a part-time job, our, our Tuesday and Thursday Mother's Day out job our program is also looking for a couple people. So again, we're rebuilding. Many of you have responded, and maybe the Lord is prompting you. These are areas you can serve. If you have some questions, as you leave to the right, there's a table out there uh, that they can answer your questions about children's ministries. And then uh, if you're visiting with us, though, as you leave, there's a CW table out there where my dad and my Karen host that table, and they can ask questions about Bible studies and stuff like that, or any questions about the church, they would love to answer those questions or get you in touch with somebody who can. So that's all the announcements we have today, and and you're going to have to listen fast today. So before I jump into the text, I want to tell you that while we go verse by verse through things, what I'm actually teaching you, what we're actually learning together is doctrine, super important stuff. And I'm, I'm so concerned that you and I who grew up in the church, and even if you didn't, that salvation, the gospel, salvation through faith in Christ alone, has so been centered on hell that once our kids get saved, or once we get saved, it's like, Woo, I don't have to worry about anything else. And that is not the gospel Jesus talked about. And this morning in the Lord's Prayer, the section of the prayer we're at, is a difficult section because it says something otherwise. And so I need you this morning. It is 20 after. I'm going to be done by 11, I promise. But I need you to stick with me because I'm going to take you through a ton of Scripture. And actually, when we get to Romans, this is what it's going to be all about. But I pray that God allows me to teach you the whole Gospel. The church has so dumbed this story down that people think this is just about hell, and it's it's not. There's so much more. And so uh, let's jump in. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 7 says, When you pray, don't babble. I'm going to get you the context. Don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you ask Him. Instead, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And then this, this next two lines are this week's text. And forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh-oh. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That'll be next week's study. But I didn't want to stop there this week, because the very next two verses talk about what this morning's text is. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sin. Seriously. That doesn't freak you out? Because there's lots of questions you should ask about this. Like, what is forgiveness? And how much forgiveness is enough? And I was abused as a child. Does that mean I have to reconcile with that abuser? What's this all mean? I mean, that is a scary verse. This is the Lord's model template prayer that we have been studying for the past five weeks together. We learn that this prayer is not to be prayed in exact wording, even though everybody does it, but is actually a model prayer. It's a template. It's conceptually how we are to pray. C.S. Lewis actually said, uh, and I'm not quoting him directly, but he said that the reason we pray isn't or should not be to change God's mind or to manipulate him into doing something, but it's actually for the prayer. It changes our heart. And boy, have we seen that in this study. It seems to me that this prayer is much about declaring truths that Jesus wants us to accept as we're going to Him with our needs. It's as much about us being aware and declaring things as it is pleading with God to meet our needs. For instance, Jesus wants us to begin our prayers, and we've talked about this in the last few weeks, but He wants us to remember that He is our real Father who knows our needs even before we talk with Him about them verse a says that god already knows your needs the next question is well why do i need to tell god things he already knows and the answer is because our heavenly father told us to why do your kids why do you want your kids to come with you about dumb things you already know because they're your kids and i know some of you are thinking i wish my kids would shut up and not tell me dumb things i already know so let me just tell you it changes as a grandparent When you get to be a grandparent, you want your grandkids to talk to you about dumb things you already know. It's cute, and you can send them home and they repeat it 32 times. But the truth is, God wants us to walk with Him in the cool of the day. God had It started that way in the garden. Adam and Eve and God would walk in the cool of the day and they would talk about dumb things God already knew. But he loved that. This is a real relationship with our Father. This is adoption, and we've learned that about the Gospel. It's not just keeping us out of hell, it's adoption. And so he wants us to understand and to state that he is our real Father who knows our needs before we ask him. Only this Father is actually in heaven. And then we jump to the very next line that in the King James doesn't sound like it, but in the Greek is actually the first petition, the first request of God. And that is, uh, help us remember, uh, may your name be kept holy. And actually, it could be translated, help me to keep your name holy. In other words, when you're praying, you start with, I'm praying to my Father in heaven, our Father, so we can pray together, and he's my dad, just like Jesus. Jesus calls him his Father, he's my Father, but he's my Father in heaven. Help me remember who you are, though. And I think, I think, now, just, just so you don't think I'm picking on our generation, I think the generation ahead of us uh, talked so much about the fear of the Lord that intimacy got with God was difficult. So that we were all a fear of the Lord. And now the pendulum has swung so much that he's my buddy. God is my buddy. Dear buddy, help me today. And in the middle, this is a prayer that says, help us remember as I come to you with my needs, help me remember that you are the Holy One. And the word holy doesn't just mean uh, sinless it means perfect it, it, if you think about God things that blow your mind about God like he was before before what the answer is yes Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever if you look at the stars at night you have God created that the same one that died on the cross and if that makes your head spin that's holy the fact that you can pray that's holy it's crazy your earthly dad isn't like your heavenly dad you, you, could, you, you can slap God emotionally and He never turns His back on you. That is remarkable. He's a holy God. And He's saying, as you approach God, I want you to declare, help, us keep, help me keep your name holy. Help me to remember that as I come to you with my needs, I, I, I am talking to the Holy One. Thirdly, Jesus wanted us to declare, uh, to actually bring Him the things that we need that He's already aware of. And that's why that last week's text was, give us this today, the food that i need and you could actually translate it today and tomorrow but it's it's the it's not just about food and it's not just about 24 hour period but you're to bring your needs that we just heard in verse 8 that god is already aware of he wants us to bring them to Him. Why? The same reason I want my grandkids to bring their needs to me. The same reason that when your kid has a sore throat, your child, that no matter how tired or whatever, no matter how silly they are, when they have a sore throat, you want them to come to you, or when their stomach is upset, you want them to come to you before they throw up all over the floor. You want, even though you know their physical needs need to be met, you still want them to come, and so does our Father. So he's telling us, go ahead, but you've got to remember, and we looked at this last week, uh, just like when he talks about daily bread, this was mostly a Jewish following he had at this point in his ministry, and I told you that when Jesus talked about your daily bread, their minds immediately had to go back to, to manna in the wilderness, and I shared with you that they cried out for food, and God provided them manna in the morning and quail in the evening, but uh, one of the things I pointed out at the end, it was found in numbers 21, four and five, and I had a lot of you talk to me about this this week because it's such an interesting passage. So while they're wandering in the wilderness, this is what happens at the, towards the middle of the minute of their time there. Then the people of Israel set out for Mount Or, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But when the people, but the people then grew impatient with this long journey. And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna. And last week, I pointed this out. Some of you are giggling because that last statement, I want to ask you again, what's wrong with it? Well, if I have nothing to eat and I hate the taste of manna, those two are mutually exclusive. The truth is, and I think that this is so important because this is why we pray for our daily needs. The, the, the Lord was providing their needs, they just didn't like God's provision. So we hate this food, we miss Egypt, we don't have anything to eat, which was code for, we don't like what you've given us to eat, because it tells us that they hate the manna that they were eating. So present tense, they're eating manna, but they say we don't have food. And I think that that isn't, an old, that isn't just with the Hebrew people, I think, I think American Christians get frustrated with God. You know, Thank you for the land that you have blessed, Father. We just don't like our leaders. We, we go through our lives griping. We, we complain. Because, and we're worried. I think a lot of us are worried. Not that God won't provide for us. We just won't like what he will provide. And I, and I, I mean, some of you asked for kids. We asked for children for eight years. We were infertile in for eight years. And then God gave us Zach. Is Zach perfect? Yes, but most of you don't have perfect kids. I mean, the, the fact is, after I mean, if you're married, man, and your wife really wanted children, you finally have kids. Have you ever thought about going? Are you sure you want a fourth? You know, I want a fourth. I want a fourth kid. And you're like, did you not pay attention to the first three? I mean, it's the, the fact is, you guys, that a lot of times we long for something. And then God provides it, and we don't like his provision. That's why the prayer is, give us this day our daily bread, and it's talking about our needs. God, provide our needs. Um, So now we find ourselves in Matthew 6.12, in the part of this verse that can be kind of confusing. Forgive us our sins, and when we pray this in large groups at funerals, This is the part we don't think about. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Wow. That's intense. But it actually gets downright scary when you look at verses 14 and 15, and I want you to look at that again. If you forgive those who, this is Jesus talking, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. We should pray right now. Lord Jesus, I ask you that in the next half hour you give clarity. Help me speak clearly. Most of all, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us hear with ears what Jesus meant when he said this 2,000 years ago. What we want is not Mark's thoughts or Mark's doctrine, but we want the truth. So we ask you right now to uh, help us hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This was not the only time Jesus said something like this. In fact, as I studied this week, and this week was one of those weeks when I studied, I sweat. Because Jesus talked about this idea of forgiving and the condition with which we forgive a lot. For instance, here is a parable that is often ignored in Matthew 18, so same gospel... Matthew 18, 21 to 35, and you can jump there with me or read it on the screen. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. So you guys know that part because we quoted a lot in the church and pastors and preachers talk about it. But do you know that right after that, Jesus told a parable? And this is the parable. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man who was the debtor fell down before his master and begged him, please, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. How wonderful. But when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. You get the difference in finances. He owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for for a little more time. Be patient with me, I'll pay it, he pleaded Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Okay, now we have a problem because Jesus is repeating himself. He didn't speak the first time. Misspeak. This is now a regular thing. This is in response to Peter's question, do I need to forgive more? How often do I need to forgive? I mean, I mean, It says what it says, and if Jesus means this, then we are all in trouble. I mean, honestly, if Jesus means what it says on the surface, if if this is what he means, then the truth is we should spend as much time as we can, maybe every day of our lives, trying to figure out what forgiveness really is, and how much forgiveness you need to have to gain forgiveness, and what does it mean about reconciliation, which I already said. So I'm supposed to, somebody who rapes me, somebody who abuses me, I'm supposed to just go back into relation with them? I mean, that's what God God did with us, right? I mean, the problem is, you can never forgive enough. Which is often the case with most things that are like this. There's a context in which Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer. And it, it has struck me this week how important the context really, really is to understanding the Lord's Prayer. I mean, it's like super important. If you don't understand the context, this verse is going to throw you off. So follow me. Let me go back to Matthew 5, the context. Jesus has just finished the Beatitudes, and he's moved along, and he would go along, and his his disciples, not the capital D, not the 12, but hundreds would follow him. And when he would sit down, as in rabbinical tradition, and remember, Jesus was a rabbi, and these were his students, they would gather around him, they would sit down, they would drink, they would rest, they would eat. And while they were sitting and drinking and eating and resting, the the rabbi would teach. Um, Rabbinical teaching isn't like a class like we have in the West. Rabbinical teaching is walking and discipling and raising up through life and experience. So Jesus sits down, and when he sits down, these are the things that he taught. Looking at that group of people, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone can praise your heavenly father don't misunderstand why i came again the lord's prayer is in the middle of this meet greet in the middle of this and i i i want to try really hard to help you understand the context they're sitting they're talking they're listening don't misunderstand why i came jesus said i didn't come to abolish the law of moses or the writing of the prophets I actually came to accomplish their, pur- their purpose. Hint, 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 hint. So Jesus just, you'll see why in a minute. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you keep the law, you'll be saved. If you don't, you'll be cast out. Verse 20, this is the first clue that we're in trouble. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. To which everybody sitting there went, excuse me, I've got to be more moral, I've got to be more law-abiding than the rabbis and Pharisees, than you? Jesus just said that. And here's what required. Then he goes into listing the things that are required in order to be more righteous than the rabbis or the Pharisees, in order to be acceptable to the Father in heaven. You have heard our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment, when they all went, yeah, I've heard that, that's true. But I say if you're even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Are you following me? So, I've got to be better than the religious leaders who keep the law, but now Jesus is saying, if I even get mad at someone, if you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Just to be clear, most of you did that when you got cut off in traffic this week. Right? Or watch the news, or listen to my last week's message. I mean, we're all guilty of this, right? I mean, is there anybody in the here that has never gotten angry with somebody? Nobody raised their hand. He just said that we're in danger of the fires of hell if we do. Verse 22. 23, let me jump there. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that somebody has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown in prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have, had, uh, until you have paid the last penny. So, to be clear, to enter heaven, you must be more righteous than the religious leaders, and you must not be angry with anyone ever, and you must cannot curse someone or even call them an idiot. Oh, and you have to forgive everybody every time as God has forgiven you, or you're going to hell. Okay, he's not done. So, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, please understand, this is a male-dominated society. Let me say that if as a woman you've ever looked at a man in a lustful way, it puts you under that category too. So now, committing adultery isn't going to a hotel, it's actually looking and lusting. That's God's standard. So if your eye, and you want to know how serious he is? If your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out, and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. What? I'm going to be thrown in hell not just for lack of forgiveness. I'm going to be thrown in hell because my righteousness isn't better than the Pharisees. Now I'm thrown in hell because I've even lusted in my mind? Now I've never done that, but all of you have. You, you, you get the problem here. So he goes on. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown in hell. In case you're keeping track. No anger. No calling anybody an idiot. Must be more righteous than the religious leaders. No lusting. Because that's adultery. And if you don't forgive and do all those things, and you still don't forgive as God has forgiven you, you're going to be thrown into hell. Oh, and by the way, if you think that you've never lusted, let me tell you that he's not done with the adultery part. Verse 31, you have heard that the law says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, actually causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Half of you just gasp. Guess what happens to adulterers? They're thrown in hell. Same things that happens to angry, idiot-calling, less-than-righteous unforgivers. God casts you out. You have also heard, and at this point, I think all of his disciples are going, why are we following this guy? We're in trouble. I mean, this is really a scary passage. You have heard, uh, you have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, don't make vows. Don't say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And don't say by the earth, because the earth is a footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of a great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one of your hair white or black. Just as simple, yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. So now, to swear, to put a vow, to put your hand on the Bible when you're in court is actually sin. Okay, this is annoying. You have heard the law that says that he, every time he says you have heard the law, you can your heart let your heart sink. Because Jesus just said, and I know you're going, well, I'm a Gentile, so these laws don't apply to me. The problem is the laws that the Jews had reflect God's value system. You see the problem here? I mean, you're already, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not done yet. So we're in verse 38. Here we go. You have heard the law says uh, that punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. How many of you have a concealed weapons license in this room? I mean, I, I know, I just, I just got declared a liberal, so let me just say I have one as well. I just renewed it. But I, I'm supposed to let somebody slap me. What about, It doesn't say shooting, so I guess that's okay. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat also. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give, it, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Wow.
4: okay.
5: He's not done. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. You've got to be kidding. They wear their pants about around their knees. And they cut me off in traffic. And their cars bounce. And they are pushing an immoral agenda. How can I love them? I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So, if the government comes after us in this room, the instruction is, God's value system is, that we not only let them take us, we still pray for them and we love them. Well, God's crazy. Or maybe we're sinful. We'll just keep going. Um, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both evil and good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. life. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even correct... Corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how different are you from anyone? Even pagans do that. You ready for the ultimate standard? Here we go. Put it up there for me, Louise. This is it. Wah, 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 wah. Yes, that's right. He said, I guess we're all going down. You see, that's the problem. The problem is, we have, even in America, we've reset up new, we have a new rule of laws. See, what we have done too in the church is we've made it just about hell. And the problem is, if you're just being saved from hell, the, you're not good enough. And by the way, the context of the prayer is this You are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Um, to be clear, rather than continuing down this path of of lifting, listing all of the things that will get them sent to hell or judged by the judge, Jesus summarizes the standard in that last verse. I don't have the time to tell you all the things you're doing wrong, so let me just do it. You, as my disciple, are to be perfect as my Father is perfect. I believe at this moment, and I'm still thinking contextually, I believe at this moment that the followers or disciples of Rabbi Jesus who hears this teaching for that moment are not worried about food. And we talked about this last week. I don't think they're worried about food. They might have been 15 minutes before this. What are we having for dinner tonight? But they're not worried about that because they believe in Rabbi Jesus. What they're worried about now is salvation. How can I be made right with God? How do I do that? If the demand is that I've got to be perfect like Like The Father's perfect. I'm in trouble. And that's when Jesus introduces the prayer. Your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pause. So after they're freaking out, before, I'm sorry, before they start into the prayer, they're freaking out. We're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And Jesus knows what they need. We need forgiveness. We need something more than the law. And Jesus says, your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. So pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need and forgive us our sins as we have also forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So now Jesus, who just told them that they're not measuring up, is saying you can run to him. And if you forgive those who sin against you, prayer over. Now he goes back to the freak out message. If you, don't, if you forgive those who sin against you, your father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. This is where I've got to hurry up because my time is going to run short. What Jesus is doing in this text, and what I want you to understand, my Christian brothers and sisters, is this, that the Gospels are the old covenant. Jesus is in this, until he goes to the cross, they're still under the law. And these religious people are following Jesus, who's promised them as a rabbi to amp it up, to make it better. And so they're following him, and they expect him to help them measure up, to answer the religious questions that the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders weren't answering. The problem is, what Jesus is doing in the three and a half years of ministry until he goes to the cross is he setting up their need for a savior i don't have time to read it but also also in matthew 19 uh you remember the story of the rich young ruler the the religious leader who goes to jesus and the disciples and says master i've kept all the laws what else must i do to be saved and jesus must have smiled at him and smiled at the disciples and doesn't argue that he's kept the law but he says sell everything you have and give to the poor remember that And that's usually where the message ends or our devotion ends. But that's not the point. The point is that after this guy hears that, it says that he leaves weeping bitterly. And Jesus says that weird thing about, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And it says that the disciples were freaked out, the twelve. They were absolutely freaked. It says that they were astonished. Verse 25, if you can can get there, uh, Louise. They were astonished, and they asked the question, the question that was on their minds, then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus answers it. He looked at them intently, the Greek says. Look at that. It's on the screen. Who can be saved? This is the twelve. This is Peter and John and James. Bartholomew and the others you've never heard of. Who can be saved if that guy can't be saved? If we've got to keep the law, who can be saved? And he looks at them intently. And when the Scripture says that Jesus looks intently, it means it. Listen, boys. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything. what the heck does that have to do with anything? Jesus says, you follow me. Because the gospel, I got to read it, Romans 3, 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. What's that next line? Read it for me. What? I, I, I can be a murderer. I could be an adulterer. I can be an unforgiver. I I can break the Sabbath. I can use another version of the Bible besides the King James. It's not in there, but some people would think it was in there. God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. And Jesus spent three years pointing that out. If you came in here this morning thinking you're a good person, you might be a good person from human standards. But if you're, if you're listening to Jesus' expectations and His Father's in heaven, you're not a good person. And the good news is, the gospel saves not good people. It saves people like us. Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. And He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. To be clear, you're still responsible for your sin, but He frees you from the penalty of what you've done, the lack of forgiveness, the murder, the lust, the rape, the whatever you've done in the secret places of your heart, the unforgiveness, calling someone an idiot. He takes that and He He, He applies grace to it. You can be forgiven of that. Verse. Verse 24, in his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus who freed us from the penalty of our sins. God pre- How did he do it? Because God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness for He Himself is fair and just and He makes sinners right in His sight when they simply believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on, what's the word? Faith. So we are made right with God through what? And not obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't He the God also of the Gentiles? Of course He is. There is only one God, and He makes people right with Himself. What's it say? Only by faith. Whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does it mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. (gasps) What did Jesus say at the beginning of the context of this prayer? I came to fulfill the law? and then he tells them how they're falling short of the law how did he come to fulfill it by taking what you owe on himself on the cross and saving you you see this is all about grace jesus is setting them up and getting them to panic and freak out so that uh, thinking that they're good enough to realize they're not good enough and somewhere along the line he wants us to remember then back to the prayer okay so in the context of the prayer, and I've got to jump to the end, so Louise, just bear with me here. I'll tell you what verses I want up there. I said I'd have you out by 11, so i got nine minutes. What Jesus wants them to do and them to realize is they can't save themselves. And what he was about to do by dying on the cross would offer them forgiveness and mercy and grace. But somewhere along the line, God's people start forgetting that. And if this Lord's Prayer is about us declaring things because God already knows what we need and He wants us to remember, then actually, when we say, forgive us our sins, Father, as we forgive those who sin against us, it's our value system as children of God. Two things are happening here. Number one, He's declaring that salvation from the things that you have broken, the laws that you have broken, is only available through faith in Christ alone. You are here this morning or watching online and I'm here to tell you that salvation is through faith in Christ alone and all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, he will forgive our sins. You can be saved. But here's the problem. This was never about you not going to hell. It was about you and your father. It was about a relationship and the reason we're still here, and we studied this in First and 2 Peter, is we're exiles, and our job here is to live the values of the kingdom. And that's why in that prayer, Jesus isn't messing with their hearts there. He's having us declare something, and that is, Father. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. It's not a first I forgive and then you forgive. It's actually the opposite. Because you have forgiven me, now I need to forgive others. Or better said, because you have been forgiven, you better be forgiven for... Yeah, that better be your attitude. (laughs) And brothers and sisters, I do not think that's the attitude of most of the church today. We look at people who are gay, and we look down our noses at them, and we smirk, and we say how wicked they are. We look at people on the other side of the political aisle, and we hate them. We talk with a rhetoric that has nothing to do with the kingdom. We've put all, many of us have put all of our emphasis in, or all of our hope in the next election, which is going to be just as nasty as the last election, and the one before that, and the one before that we put all of our hope in everybody but Jesus. And it is time for us to realize that God knows our needs. He is the Lord. We should want His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we do have needs we want Him to fill. But we should be satisfied with them, even if they don't taste good at times. We should trust Him. And on top of it, as we live our lives, we must be a, forgiven, a forgiving family. Because, my goodness, we have been forgiven so much more like a million-dollar debt. And what people owe you in this community when they pour tea on you or you get bad service at, at Home Depot or wherever you get it, that ain't nothing in comparison to what God has shown, the grace He's shown. And I believe, in, and, and look, I am not anti-American. I love this country. I'm thankful that this morning I'm not afraid of being arrested. And I've been in countries where that is not the case. But I've got to tell you something. There's too many of us that bought That our sacred document is the Constitution of the United States that starts with that you have the right given by God to pursue happiness and that is horse pucky. You have the right to live sacrificially because He has sacrificed Himself for us. When we go to heaven, we get eternity. Everything for us is there. You already have all things stored up in heaven where moth and and thief and rust can't destroy. We can afford to lose in this life because we win in the next. And the problem is, we're trying to win in both, so we have our hands in one world and the next, and we wonder why there's no power in Christendom today. It's because we're trying, we're using the world's tools to grow God's family, and it doesn't work. If you are not saved this morning, then Jesus Christ is the answer, not the church. If you are saved this morning, start acting like the Savior. Who haven't you forgiven? I'm not saying reconcile with them if they have abused you. That's not what we're talking about here. But understand that living in an unforgiving way is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It won't work. You're not hurting them. They're doing just fine. But God has shown you, and I immeasurable mercy. And that's why the context of the Lord's Prayer is so important, because Jesus points it out before he says, come and pray. I mean, honestly, if I had been sitting in this group, I think now that I've been studying this for six weeks, if I had been sitting there when Jesus taught this, I would honestly, the last thing on my mind is learning how to pray. The first thing on my mind is figuring out how to fix the problem, and that is, here's the weird thing even if I could fix it today and I could keep all the laws from now on, the problem is I started flawed. I'm going to go back to an example and then I'm going to close in prayer. I I used to use the example of an omelet. I love omelets a lot. My girls don't like breakfast foods. It's depressing. It's the one thing I gave up for my wife. I, I love breakfast. I've given up a lot, sweetheart. But you're worth it. I love an omelet. And I don't mean some wimpy three-egg omelet. I like a 32-egg omelet. (laughs) The funny thing about an omelet, and you you guys are Southerners, so you like chorizo and salsa, unless you don't like eggs, and then you're weird. But, you know, you can have the world's best omelet, but if one of the eggs is rotten, you're going to spend the next two days throwing up. You know that, right? And see, that's the problem with us. There's a rotten egg somewhere inside and you may be the nicest person that ever lived and everybody may think you're great and we may want to vote for you as president but the truth is there's a cracked egg in there called sin and only God can remove that. You will never measure up without Jesus and I am begging you today, accept his offer to forgive sin. And you don't have to do it religiously. Just cry out in your heart in your living room or in this room, God, I know I'm a sinner and you're the only one who can save. And for the rest of us, it's time for us to start living our faith. Seriously. It's time for us to actually surrender control of our life and actually pray this prayer or the intent of this prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Just like Jesus did right before he died. Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. And let me be clear, it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost me my will, my inclination, my prejudices, it's going to cost me my, my political point of view. It's going to cost me everything. The way I look at people whose sins aren't like mine. And I've got to tell you, though, something, God's been doing something in my heart and it's happening. When I start having that feeling that starts down there and starts working its way up or I feel the thing on the back of my neck, neck and it happens every Friday afternoon at Walmart. Yeah, you know it. It's still weird to me when people show up with boots and no shirt on and super tight shorts. That's not okay. Nonetheless, that's a bad-dressed person Jesus died for. Some of you are thinking, wow, he really is judgmental. I'm forgiven, baby. The truth is, we all do it. You can do it towards rich people. You can do it towards poor people. You could do it towards brown people or white people or black people. And by the way, that's what's wrong with our culture today. Everybody's blaming everybody else for their own misfortune. Why? Because you don't have to go to God. And when the church starts acting like the world, we're in trouble. Okay, time's up. I said 11. I'm not lying this morning in a message like this, so I'm going to end. So here's my challenge for you today be a follower of Jesus. And if you realize you've fallen short and you're not saved, then accept his offer to forgive you. And to my brothers and sisters, who is the ma- vast majority of people in this room, let me be clear. It is time for us to surrender control of our lives to God. And if you want to do that, if, if, if you need to do that right now, we always have communion elements in the corner, and those aren't magical. They're just grape juice and bread. But put your arm around your spouse, or come alone and just surrender control of your life to the Lord. And it will be the most wonderful, terrible thing you ever do. You will start looking at yourself like a shadow of the past and you'll start seeing Jesus in a way you've never seen him before. And let's follow him together. It's going to be really hard and fun and a great adventure. But together, we can do this. With the power of God in us, we can do this. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. This is a tough text because... Um, it, takes, it takes a look at the whole New Testament and the whole gospel to really understand what you're doing. But you're bringing us to a pra- place of crying out to you, Oh God, I need help. I'm not good enough. To which you say, I know. I know, honey, but I'm, I put that p- penalty on Jesus. So I thank you for my salvation today. I thank you for my forgiveness. But you didn't just end there. You left us here to live out your value system on this earth, to present the gospel to others, to be the living gospel around others, no matter what their sexual orientation or what they drive or what they listen to or what their value system. Jesus Christ came to save sinners and he started with us. Now may we, may we share it with others. And may our view of people and our feelings toward people be reduced as we start seeing people with your eyes thank you for this prayer, Father. And we thank you that you forgive us and now help us forgive others. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.